You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Hey everybody, I'm looking forward once again to this year's Arts Madness Tournament. I've been blown away by how much you all have helped the show grow over the years, and I'm hoping this year will be the biggest and best yet. To give everyone a quick refresher on all 64 artists, I'll be releasing a mini-episode each day until the start of the tournament. Be sure to check the links in the show notes for more information, check out the brackets, and enter to win prizes. I'll be using the ad money I get for the month of February to send out prizes. So remember, the more you listen and help others discover the show, the more prizes I can send out this spring. I feel like who art ed. Who art is? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be looking at Roy Lichtenstein. Roy Lichtenstein was born in 1923. He grew up in New York, and from what I've read, he had a nice childhood. He grew up in a middle-class family, and while he enjoyed art as a hobby in school, Lichtenstein's real passion was music. He loved to go to the Apollo Theater, where he would draw the jazz musicians as they played. Of course, what started as a hobby turned more serious as he developed his talent. In high school, Lichtenstein studied at the Arts Students League of New York. Graduating high school and beginning college in 1940, World events put a bit of a detour in his life's journey. Lichtenstein started college at Ohio State, where he was studying not only art, but literature, botany, history. He was doing the standard thing as a young undergrad, dabbling in lots of different subjects to find the right fit. But like so many young men of that era, he was drafted to serve in World War II. As a part of his training to be a draftsman for the military, Lichtenstein went to DePaul University in Chicago to study engineering. When he came home after the war in 1946, he finished his BFA in Ohio and began teaching. Now, in the 1950s, abstract expressionism was the dominant movement. But in the time after World War II, many artists were looking to shake things up. 
Liechtenstein dabbled in a few different styles, including Abex, and he found some success selling paintings, but he was still teaching to pay the bills. In 1960, he took a job teaching at Rutgers University, where he met Alan Krapow, a performance artist who helped introduce Liechtenstein to young up-and-coming artists like Klaus Oldenburg. These up-and-coming artists were developing the first great movement of the post-war era, arguably the first post-modern art movement, pop art. They took their inspiration from everyday subjects, and in particular, things that were mass-produced for mass consumption. Think Andy Warhol's soup cans. Liechtenstein was intrigued by the ideas of pop art and began dabbling in this style. Of course, if you want fresh new ideas, the best source is often the younger generation. Roy Lichtenstein was pushed by his young son. One day in 1961, the younger Lichtenstein taunted his father, holding up a copy of the Disney book, Donald Duck Lost and Found. He pointed to an illustration and said, Bet you can't draw something as good as that. Of course, there are other versions of this story. Sometimes it is Roy Lichtenstein's son's school friends who were saying that Lichtenstein wasn't any good because everything he was doing was abstract. We may never know exactly what was said that spurred this creative leap, but we do know Roy Lichtenstein got to work on something that can only be described as one of the greatest so-theirs of all time. Roy Lichtenstein made a direct copy of the illustration, painting it onto a canvas four feet tall and almost six feet wide. In doing so, he was not only successful in sticking it to his son, Roy Lichtenstein became a tremendous success in the art world. He was able to stop teaching and focus exclusively on his paintings starting in 1963, and just a year later, he was the subject of a Life magazine article. Of course, the title of the article posed the question, is he the worst artist in the U.S.? But still, I mean, no press is bad press, right? I imagine he had mixed feelings on that, but whether they loved or hated his work, people were taking notice and Roy Lichtenstein became one of the biggest stars of the pop art movement. By copying mass media images from a Mickey Mouse book or individual panels of comic books, Roy Lichtenstein held up a mirror to society. While many like to pretend they're cultured and sophisticated, the average person spends more time looking at Disney than they do Delacroix. Museums and the quote-unquote high culture are for special occasions when people want an elevated experience. But pop culture... The common culture, it's the stuff of life. It's the everyday. It's what we interact with and consume so frequently we seldom notice. It's ubiquitous, just out there in the ether. By meticulously copying these found images, Roy Lichtenstein forced the viewers to engage with the things they often look past. He worked on a large scale so the image could not be ignored, and while copying the images, feels uncreative and in some ways antithetical to the artistic process. I always like to see what insights I can gain by looking at what artists have said about their own work. 
Lichtenstein said, quote, I think art since Cezanne has become extremely romantic and unrealistic, feeding on art. It's utopian. It has less and less to do with the world. It looks inward, neo-zen and all that. Pop art looks out into the world. It doesn't look like a painting of something. It looks like the thing itself. It's interesting. I mean, in that quote, he's effectively saying that modern painting became too far removed from the day-to-day world. There was a sort of feedback loop where artists, critics, and collectors would look at art for inspiration, then build off each other's ideas until what they were producing became incomprehensible, making no sense to the average person. Think about it. I mean, abstract expressionism only seems thoughtful and significant if you know enough about modern art to see it as the ultimate distillation of modern philosophy, reducing paint to its fundamental elements in order to make an expressive composition that would be timeless and universal. To those who don't have the luxury of time to sit and read essays about art theory and criticism— or who haven't discovered podcasts like Art Smart and Who Arted, abstract expressionist paintings could seem like a bunch of garbage, just some canvas one fool spilled a bunch of paint on and an even bigger fool paid too much money for. I think this ridiculous feedback loop of the art world is part of what makes Look Mickey so perfect. Lichtenstein always had this little impish quality to him. I mean, there's always this little smirk and a little glimmer in his eyes. Lichtenstein takes this piece of, quote, low art, a throwaway illustration from a mass-produced children's book, and he elevates it to something that can go in the gallery. But more specifically, the image is of Donald Duck out fishing on a pier with Mickey, and Donald Duck hooks himself with the fishing pole. And he's saying, look, Mickey, I caught a big one. The joke of the comic is immediately recognized by the audience. I mean, Donald Duck thinks he caught a big fish, but he really just caught himself. But it it also works as a metaphor for the art world. You might even say there's arguably a degree to which the joke is on the audience who trekked out to the museum to look at a multi-million dollar painting some guy copied from a kid's book largely considered to be disposable and a lesser art form. Of course, I don't think he merely copied other artworks. In the case of Look, Mickey, he altered the composition, he changed the color scheme, but even in works that feel more directly aligned to the source image, there's something different in Lichtenstein's work. For many, it's ineffable, it's hard to put into words, but his paintings feel different from the comics he drew from. Lichtenstein himself struggled with the distinction, saying, quote, I think my paintings are critically transformed, but it would be difficult to prove it by any rational line of argument. And again, I, I just think of this with the, a little bit of a smirk. I mean, he's basically saying, I think my work is special, but anyone trying to argue that won't make any sense. Still, at the risk of sounding irrational, I'm going to argue the case for Lichtenstein. 
In my episode about Zarya Foreman, I talked about how her use of soft pastels to capture the delicate landscape of melting glaciers seemed fitting as pastel dust shifts and smears so easily, making the drawings both massive and delicate, just like their subject. The choice of materials matters. Shifting from printed paper to painted canvas alters an image and people's perceptions of it, just as the massive scale makes people interact with the piece differently. As I said before, pop art forces people to stop and take notice of the things they often look past. The massive scale, repetitions, and bold colors reveal to us things we see so much, they become forgotten or invisible. Of course, if you have forgotten any episodes from my back catalog, I am going to put links in the show notes to episodes of Art Smart, focusing on pop art and abstract expressionism, as well as the full episode I made on Roy Lichtenstein. And for good measure, I'll include a link to the previous episode that I referenced about Zaria Foreman. As always, if you're enjoying this or any other episodes that I have put out, please make sure you leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.